an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey everyone, welcome to Radio Free New York. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today, and I am I'm going solo today. I am all alone here on Radio Free New York, but of course I love talking to other folks. I love talking to you listeners. So if you want to join in the conversation today, 585-346-3000, give us a call to WYSL2. We're going to be here until 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time here on this Friday. If you're hearing the rebroadcast, uh, you call the studio, but I ain't going to be here. But this Friday, well, let's say the 31st, give me a call. Love to talk to you. And, you know, we, we lead off this Friday, uh, you know, I was just talking to my the, the producer, uh, Bob, before the before the show here and and thinking about some of the stuff we're not getting this summer we're not getting seabreeze is not opening this summer seabreeze after it was 140 years isn't going to be opening so terrible thing i i kind of get it right like if you're a business like seabreeze you got to think like oh man are people really going to go out are we going to be able to sanitize stuff to the satisfaction of either the government or to our customers you know are we going to be able to keep people far enough apart for it to be okay you're going to be able to make this work it's tough to say right so i get it but it's sad uh you know i've i've only lived in rochester the rochester area for like I don't know, eight years? Yeah, eight years now. Wow. Uh, and I, I've been to Seabreeze uh, quite a few times since I've been here. It's a great thing. You know, back where I grew up, we'd go up to uh, Water Safari. I'm from the Utica area originally. We'd go up there, and that would be kind of our big theme park. That's <laughs> the closest thing around. But no, no, unfortunately, Seabreeze is closed. We're also talking about, uh, you know, marching bands. Kids don't have the opportunity to, to be able to get out and, and march and practice and learn things. And there's there's so many things that are going on this summer and this year that we, you know, I feel bad. I feel bad for kids who are missing out on a big part of their childhood in this case. Again, I you know I don't want to just blame the government for this, even though like they certainly deserve some of the blame. There, there, there is for real an actual virus out there. I get it, you know, but it's sad, and I and I think we can we can lament that, and we can try to think of ways again to be better. And I and, and what my position has always been from the beginning is, you know, like if the government puts too many restrictions on what we're able to do and how we're able to adapt to this situation. It's going to drag it out more, and it's going to stunt development of kids and of people and of businesses. We're going to put ourselves in a place where you know we're not able to grow and thrive, and and we see that in part from the economic report that came out yesterday. Bob Bob Savage and I were talking about that a bit at the the last segment of yesterday's show, where we have what thirty two percent drop in GDP. Again, that's from Q1 to Q2, but absolutely devastating. The the biggest drop in GDP, I think, since uh, the Great Depression. 
Um, and I think that one was only like a 15% drop. So absolutely devastating what's going on here. Part of it's the virus, part of it's people being freaked out. And, and then a big part of it's the, the government restrictions that are going on here. And, and you know, we've certainly we, we've talked about that plenty here on Radio Free New York. And I don't know. Interesting. But, you know, and, and then the other, you know, I, I got one more news item that I want to talk about related to the uh, the coronavirus thing. It's uh, I, I saw that that Dr. Fauci, I guess, is, is recommending wearing goggles now. You know, I, this is something I heard about way back when too, like way back when things are first starting, when people were saying, oh, yeah, it spreads through the eyes. Right. So so people were telling me like, oh, it, it doesn't really do much to wear a mask because it's going to come in through your eyes anyway. You need to have a whole get up to, to be able to do that. And actually, it, when it first came out and I was I was freaked out by this, too, after after my initial skepticism, where I was like, nah, it's nothing to worry about. I did end up buying goggles. I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I, I'm just going to be safe. I'm going to buy some goggles and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have these on. So when I'm going into like Wegmans or whatever, I'm not going to get stuff in my eyes. I'm going to, I'm going to look like I'm, I'm in a Mad Max cosplay here. Cause I got, you know, my goggles, like my mask on, you know, and I was trying to cover up and everything too, and worry about desanitizing myself, uh, you know, afterwards. And, you know, it, it looks like what, what we're finding out now with a lot of this stuff is we're just, uh, you know, we're it's it ends up being kind of what it's not in the security theater right it's like it's, it's like health theater right you, you look at uh it, it, all the people who you know I, my, my wife did this too it, people are cleaning their mail and they're trying to wipe down everything and they're trying they're starting to say like oh you know maybe that's not it's not really going to do much it's not going to protect you it might make you feel better you know if you have these companies or you personally like cleaning off all your stuff all the time but that, that ain't really how it works it's you know clean off your mail like the the viruses when they get in the 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 paper particles and whatnot they don't really survive long they don't really they stick to that pretty well so it's not something you got to worry about all that much you know but it, it's it's something I think about with the uh, with, with going out to restaurants and whatnot is is this keeping us any safer is it just to, to make us feel better? And is there value in making us feel better in that process, right? Is there is there value in saying like, all right, we'll do this to make us feel better, the government feel better, the other patrons feel better, and they ain't going to do all that much. Is that putting us in danger by doing that? Oh, maybe, maybe not. You know, if, if people drop their guard and they start acting recklessly, I guess that that's a problem, right? Um, but, but if anyone has any thoughts on that, again, give us a call, 585-346-3000. Love to hear your thoughts on that. That is not the main topic I wanted to talk about today, but it's something I had on my mind because I, you know, I was one of those goofballs who bought a pair of goggles back in March because I'm like, you know what, better safe than sorry. I'm going to buy some goggles. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be prepared. Right, never be too prepared. That, that was my thought anyway. But the, but the main topic that I want to talk about today is I, w- I want to talk about education. And you know, again, if you're a parent out there and you're thinking about like what's going on with my kid's school, I'm seeing I'm seeing some of these uh, plans come out uh, from from school districts uh, where I live. Rochester City School District just announced their plan yesterday. Uh, Gree School District announced theirs a few days ago. I think Arundelcoy might have announced theirs as well. And we're seeing all these school districts come out with some of these plans that are they're they're called hybrid plans, right? So they're they're plans where they might have a segment of students who are, are at home. They're doing, um, you know, distance learning. They're, they're learning through Zoom, uh, and that's what they're going to be doing the full time. So there, there's some families, they want to be able to exercise that option. They're going to be home the whole time. But even among the students who want to go back to school, the families who want to send their kids back to school, that may not be an option. They're trying to stagger it so they, they don't have all these kids in the classroom all at once. 
And so what we end up getting is we have, you know, these these schedules at some of these schools where kids are going, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or, you know, Monday, Wednesday, and then, then Friday, everyone's on and Tuesday, Thursday, they have another set of kids who are going in and they're trying to, to keep it so like the classrooms are spaced out or whatever. But this situation <laughs> almost ends up creating more hardship, right? Because then now what, what are you going to do? Like if you're a parent who who needs to, to physically go into work and, you know, not not all of us have the luxury of, of being able to work from home and do our thing. If you're a parent who who needs to do that, you need to have child care for your kids. So now what? You got to go find an extra person to watch your kids or you got to take off time from work or you got to do this thing. And of course, you have to send your kids to school, right? is compulsory education. We can't just say, no, we're just going to opt out of this process and kids just ain't going to go to school now. Like that, that, that's not legally permissible. We're not able to do that. So, and, and what's worse as I've heard stories of parents who are extremely worried that they're, they, you know, if they have two, three kids or however many kids that they're not going to be on the same schedule. So, you know, it would be easier if, okay, we just got to pay uh, uh, someone to watch the kids while I go to work on Tuesday and Thursday, and they're all going to be there on the same day. You know, sometimes it's, it's mixed up for some families, or they're worried that it's going to be mixed up for some families. So what do they do in that situation? Who, who's going to watch their kids there? It, you know, it makes it even more difficult. You've got to pay more people to do more things. These families cannot afford it. And, you know, when when we come back from uh, the, the break, uh, come up in your few minutes, I'll, I'll dive into what the city school districts are doing but if you're a parent who's thinking about this i want to hear from you give us a call 585-346-3000 tell me what you think are you going to send your kids back to school and if so how are you going to manage it talk to you soon here on radio free new york Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe. Safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovation should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. You're listening to Radio Free New York. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Thank you. We're we're live today, Friday, July 31st, on WISL, noon to one. So give us a call if you want to participate in the discussion. If you're a parent looking at this this hybrid school model or a a all-Zoom meeting school model, and you're looking at this and you're like, all right, is this going to work for me and my family? Is this going to work? I want to know what you're doing. 
We'd love to know. Give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. But, of course, shout out to our other listeners who are listening on places like WACK out in Newark, WENY, the Patriot down in the Southern Tier, and, of course, all of our friends who are listening online on our Facebook pages, on YouTube, on Twitter. You guys rock. And thanks for coming. I see a comment from Drew saying, uh, homeschool, 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. Well, you know, that, that, that works, too. You know, you could, if you're doing homeschool, you know, and you want to, to, to be the one to teach your, your children, then great. Yeah, if you, you can flex those hours and do what you want. Now, I mean, I, I'm not a parent, so I don't know how we're uh, doing 10 p.m. schooling for young kids works. But, you know, you, you do you. you that, that's the beautiful thing about doing like homeschool or, and giving parents more choices is that you can make a schedule that works for you and your family and your children. That's a great thing. I think that we should be giving more options for people to be able to do that type of stuff. And, you know, I, <clears throat> let's, let, so, so I want to, I want to jump into some of the, the rationale though, like the, cause the Rochester city school district put all this stuff out yesterday and they, and they put out a, a, uh, a rationale for that. And I'm just going to read that off just because I, I think it's interesting to think about. It says early reports suggest the number of COVID-19 cases among children may be very, may vary by age and other factors. Adolescents aged 10 to 17 may be more likely to become infected with SARS-CoV-2 than children younger than age 10, but adolescents do not appear to be at higher risk for developing severe illness per CDC guideline. Uh, it's important to consider community transmission risks as schools reopen. Uh, evidence from schools internationally suggests that school reopenings are safe in communities with low COVID-19 rates. And of course, the rates in Monroe County, they're, they're, they're pretty low. They're, I mean, there's there's 37 people hospitalized right now, so not, not a ton. There are 300 cases right now in Monroe County, so very, very small percentage of people. Three, 300 is not that many, not at all. And, and we're, we have the testing capacity to be able to figure stuff out and to, to, to find the folks who, if they, they are infected, do some good contact tracing. I know people are worried about contact tracing. I, I, I get that. I, I'm amenable to those concerns. But, you know, just to like, oh, hey, that, that guy you hung out with a party the other day, he had... He, he had COVID, so maybe uh, you want to go to one of the testing sites and figure it out. I'm not a big fan of, like, uh, you were at a party with someone who had COVID, so now you're you're basically under house arrest, and if you go out, we're going to jail you or, or monitor you. No, uh, I'm, uh, no, there are some problems with that. But the contact tracing where they're like, hey, you may be infected, you should be responsible, and go and find stuff out, and, and maybe go get a test and see if you're infected. Okay, cool. Yeah, you know what? I get that. So we, we have a I think we have a pretty good system in Monroe County. I, I think we're I think we're doing all right here. And so you know, we, we need to look at you know what what, do, what does it mean to to have students in, in these uh, classrooms? Of course you can't control what students are doing. I'm seeing some of the memes go around where it's like, oh, you know, the, the students like one person's gonna come in with a Paw Patrol mask and another's gonna come in with a Spider Man mask and they're just gonna switch masks because they want to make a trade with their friend. Yeah, you know, kids kids do stuff like that. Or they're they're gonna run around and they're gonna like lick their friend because that's what kids do. They just do weird stuff like that um, to, to 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 mess with people. Because I, I don't know, I did stupid stuff like that as, as a kid. So so keeping those kids under control and keeping the infection under control in that environment is incredibly challenging. Um, and I've worked in a childcare center before, so I know that like sickness spreads so easily. When I worked at a childcare center, I was luckily I wasn't working directly with kids, but you know, even being in the presence of all the teachers who are working with the kids, I got sick so much more often. It's just because they don't, kids don't think they'll like 
wipe their nose and then like touch stuff. That's what they, even with a mask on, that's what they do. So it's challenging. And, and, and from what I've seen from my teacher friends, they're very worried about this. They're worried about, uh, you know, being, being in school and being in this environment and protecting themselves. You know, what, what if they're in a high risk category where this is going to be a challenge and the, the teachers union in Rochester doesn't want to go back at all. They're saying, no, the, the, the city school district plan is totally unacceptable. We, we can't do this. Um, but you know, the city school district is saying they have safeguards in place. They're going to have masking for all staff and students, uh, social distancing, uh, you know, spacing people out, limiting the number of staff and buildings, uh, and then additional cleaning and disinfecting stuff like that. I've seen private childcare facilities do some of this stuff too, where it's like, okay, parents aren't really supposed to go in like they normally do and drop the kid off at the classroom. They get dropped off at the door. As soon as the kid gets in, they wash the kid's hands you know, and everyone's wearing masks and all that stuff. So that's, that's a whole thing. You know, if you're at a private childcare place, like that's the kind of stuff you're already dealing with. And, and they figured it out because private facilities, they, they don't have the luxury of governments just giving them money, right? Like they don't, they can't count on those receipts. You know, we, in situations like this, we got to kind of weigh the different interest groups, right? Like, okay, what, what is the purpose of school? schools are are there to provide an education for children right that's that's ostensibly their point and you know we we have these teachers who are like hey we don't want to go in it's too much of a risk you know we're going to sit this out or we need to just do distance learning even though a lot of teachers don't like that either they're, i mean they're just not they're they're trained and used to doing in-person learning and it is a different style of teaching to do stuff online and it takes you know, years of developing those skills to be able to do that effectively. There are folks out doing that, that right now who, who figured it out. And, and um, we'll, we'll get to what I think we should do about that in a bit. But we're trying to weigh these different constituencies. And the teachers are like, no, no, we want to not do this job and we want to get paid for it. And again, I'm not dismissing the concerns of teachers, but in a private setting, that ain't possible. We can't just be like, yeah, you're going to pay us for this service and then we're not going to actually provide it. And that, that's essentially what some teachers and some teachers unions are, are asking to do. Um, and again, they the, the Rochester Teachers Union voted unanimously to adopt uh, a, a resolution saying that they want to postpone any in-person instruction until at least November. Um, so yeah, it's... But again, we you know that doesn't that doesn't work for parents. We parent, parents got to go to work. They got to do their thing. They got they we we've got to like move on with our lives in some of these ways. But but when you you know have no financial incentive to to make sure you get back to work, well, it's pretty easy to make a statement like that. But again, you know, how do you how do you weigh the risks against the you know uh, uh, against the, the the need to educate children or at least the expectation from parents to have somewhere for their children to go for the day and to have, I mean, it's, 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 it's more than child, it's more than just childcare, but they have somewhere for their children to go for a day and, and, and to learn and to get the education that we expect out of our public school system. So, you know, what, looking at all this stuff and kind of thinking about how our money's being used and whether or not, you know, we should continue paying staff for providing this education, you know, do parents or a, do, do any taxpayers for that matter, do, do, do we have a right to say, this isn't working for us, we want to explore other options, and should the state, local governments, federal, who, who, probably state or local governments, should, should they 
allow parents to take that money that, you know, however many thousands of dollars per student in their district and, and, you know, and that varies per district, but maybe you could even it out. Should they be able to take that money and say, you know what, I need to find a solution that works for me. This is no longer the deal that makes sense. The deal was I send my kids to public school five days a week, and that's what they get in education, and they have someone to take care of them during the day, and that's what it's going to be, right? That, that, that's what a lot of folks expect. That's no longer the deal. We ain't got that. So a lot of parents, and I've seen this across the political spectrum, it's not just the, the folks a year ago who would be talking about homeschooling. You know, they, They're usually either hippy-dippy types or they're conservatives or you know who, who don't like the public school system. Now I'm seeing folks across the political spectrum start to talk about like, okay, this ain't working for me anymore. How can I find something that's going to be more effective for me and my family? What if, what if I just took some money and, and hired a teacher and I got uh, 10 other parents together and we all did the same thing. We paid this teacher and we, we, we paid them to teach our kids, you know, math and, and reading and all this stuff during the day. And we develop our own curriculum or we, we have the teacher who, you know, wants to not be in, in a big public school, but what is willing to work with a small group. We, they, they, they're going to teach what they would normally teach in school. Right. So there's these things called like, you know, they've always been around, but you know, homeschooling pods that, that are starting to pop up. We're starting to see parents say, all right, this ain't, this ain't going to do for us anymore. So how, how do we adapt to it? Now, now the challenge becomes, you know, like that's, that's a tough option for a lot of folks. If, if you're paying, you know, someone two fifty, three hundred, five hundred dollars a week, that that's just out of the budget for some folks. So the folks who are able to exercise that option are going to be a bit more wealthy. But for the folks who, who are who are living in poverty right now and they, and they don't have any other option, they're, they're kind of you know stuck with whatever they're, – they're at the mercy of whatever the, uh, the public schools are saying right now. What are they going to do? What are they going to do if it doesn't work and they're not able to, to rearrange their schedule or, or connect with family and, and find uh, people to, to watch their kids or get able to get their kids to school on, on these off days? What, what happens? And again, what's what's the, the obligation of the school to help or, or the education system as a whole to help kids and parents meet these needs? And wouldn't it be better, maybe, maybe just maybe, parents and students had the option to have a little bit more control over their education? Isn't this a good opportunity right now as we're you know, looking at a model where maybe kids can't always be in school or don't want to be in a big classroom all together all day? Maybe it's better to look at decentralizing education right now. Now you know, and we've talked about this before. The Andrew's done a couple of shows on this before, but you know, I posed this question, and and I know we're coming up on a break soon, but I posed this question that should parents get a refund, or maybe a voucher, however you want to call it, should parents get a refund or a voucher for education? Should they be able to take that money? Should the money follow the students to whatever education model fits that family's needs? talk a little bit more about this after the break here on Radio Free New York. And of course, if you want to participate in this conversation, give us a call 585-346-3000. We'll talk to you in just a few minutes after the break. A reminder from Abate Monroe County, American bikers aim toward education. Distracted driving is dangerous, so pull over and eat. 
Don't try to read your mail and newspaper and stay off your cell phone. Make a mental note to be more alert, making it a habit to expect the unexpected. Remember to look twice. Save a life. Train yourself to watch for motorcycles which are harder to see. Join a bait and your family will be protected with a free $4,000 accident policy. Ride safe. Ride free. Ride often. A bait. If you ride, ride with us. Google a bait. Monroe County. You're listening to Radio Free New York. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm Kevin Wilson, host for the day, and flying solo today. We're talking about education. We're talking about what are parents going to do this fall when they've got an option of a hybrid model of education. Everyone wants the kids back in school if we can, but everyone wants it to do it safely. So you're looking at a couple days a week. Kids are going to be in school a couple days a week. They're going to be at home learning. Teachers in some situations are expected to teach the entire classroom, some of which will be there in front of them and some of which will be online at the same time. I get to, I'm skeptical that that would work, you know, and I'd love to hear from teachers who, who are looking at this situation. If, you, if you're, you're brave enough to come on and talk about it on this program, I'd love to hear from you at 585-346-3000. And... You know, I, I don't know. I do. I, I've I've done meetings before, and and this isn't trying to do it with children. Just trying to do it with adults. I've done meetings where like half the meeting is in person and half the meeting is online, and it's a mess with adults who like have a specific purpose and project in mind. I can't imagine what that's going to be like with a bunch of children. Um, yeah, I I don't know. That it sounds it sounds challenging. I am sure folks are up to it. Uh, but but a lot of parents are looking at this model and they're like. No, I'm not. I'm not sure that works for me anymore. So, so they're looking at things like like homeschooling pods, or or can they go to a private school now? Because there's some private schools that are going to try to be open all the way. You know, get, do you have options where they can do just online learning in a way that might be more effective than what some of the public schools are offering? And and I and I know I've had conversations with with uh, with Bob Savage about this. Who's less, but it, I know a lot of folks are like the online learning is not the way to go. I you know I think you can do it right. I think what we see, what we've seen in the spring of this year, ain't quite online learning how it's meant to be. If you're intentional about it, you bring in like the the right visual aids and you bring in the right projects. I've seen it done incredibly well. Uh, there's some awesome folks who are doing doing online learning right now, including in the Rochester area. Um, and yeah, you can get kids really engaged. They're used to it. They're 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 digital natives. They're they're able to adapt to that model extremely well, even at a pretty young age. I, I know screen time's a whole thing, right? And I'm not a, a, a child development expert, so you know, tell me I'm wrong on that. Happy to hear it, but I, I think I think you can do that stuff well if you if you're intentional about it. That's kind of my point. Um, but you know, I put out this question I, on on you know my my page on my Facebook page, not not the the, the Radio Free New York page. I put out this question on my Kevin Wilson ROC page, and. I asked, you know, should parents get a, a refund for uh, their their child's education if if it's not going to be provided in the way that they expected, right? And of course, guys, my, my, my libertarian friends are like, well, why just parents get a refund? We should all get a tax refund. I shouldn't have to pay property taxes to fund a school that you know my I don't have children attending or or that no children are attending at all. Y'all, you know that's that that's fair. I get that. Now, realistically, I don't think that's I don't think that's gonna happen. Like I, I think that, that people are gonna look at it and they're gonna be like, Well, you know, we all gotta 
be in this together and we got to, um, you know, we, we, we have to, to pool our resources because education is a, a public good and it benefits the entire community if we have a, a population that's literate and educated and, and able to go into the workforce. Okay. Now, whether or not our public schools are currently providing that, you know, well, I guess that depends on where you live, um, which is unfortunate. Y'all, y'all get that critique. You, you want your property tax money back. I get that too. Um, ain't going to happen. Uh, at least probably not in the next few years. Happy to keep discussing that. But what I, what I was thinking about is, is I was thinking about, again, how do we, how do we start thinking about education in a broader way? How do we start thinking about it in a way where families have some level of control of the educational experiences that their families have and, and be able to, to mesh that with, with also like what works for the parents too, right? Like it's gotta kind of be both, right? Let's say like, let's just hold the arguments now and just say that there's, there's some obligation on parents to make sure their children are educated. Let's just, let's just start with the baseline. That's, that's, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have that discussion from there. Okay. So every parent has to educate their children. Does it have to be at a public school? Maybe, you know, I, uh, I don't know that it does, you know, and, and right now it doesn't, right? You can go to a private school, you can homeschool, you can do your thing. You know, so the, the biggest pushback that I've seen, you know, we mentioned that like, if you're going to, you know, pull your resources with a bunch of other parents and you're going to hire a teacher and you're going to educate, you know, a group of 10 kids or whatever, um, can many families afford it? I mean, and the answer is bluntly, no, many families can't. So, so I've seen the critique come out um, from from local politicians, from education, well, public education advocates, to say that well, we can't allow parents to opt out of the school system because that's um, it's racist or classist. I've seen that they particularly they focus on well, you know, white parents tend to be the ones doing this most often, and well, uh, let's let's give a good faith argument to what they're trying to say here. Is they're trying to say like. When when a kid doesn't attend school, and kid's not in school, either physically present or I assume there, uh, there's some sort of compensation scheme for Zoom too, the schools don't get paid, right? Like so, so when a kid doesn't attend for that day, the school doesn't get that additional money for each student who's not there, right? So if, so if students start pulling out, the schools themselves have fewer resources to be able to adapt or to, to be able to, to, to meet the needs of the entire body of students that they're supposed to be serving. So that's their argument is that by parents pulling out, there are fewer resources here for the, the, the children that remain to be able to, uh, to access and educate, access an education and to have the, the supplies or the, the staff resources to be able to educate people adequately. Okay, so, so that's their argument. But here's the thing. Here, here's how I look at that. I think parents are going to try to do what they can to make sure that their kids have the best opportunities possible wherever possible. And if you are concerned that, you know, parents who don't have a lot of money aren't able to access things like homeschooling pods and you accept the premise that is legitimate for taxes to go towards the purpose of, of educating children, then why not allow families to take those school resources, have the resources, the funding for education tied to the student rather than being tied to the district so 
that family can go and find a private school that meets their needs better. Maybe they shift the hours or they like their safety protocols or they're just open five days a week or to be able to go into one of those homeschooling pods. Why not be able to do it? If you think that education is really the important part and not merely, you know, providing jobs for folks, which goodness, I've heard that. Oh, well, you know, we, we need to make sure all these jobs are available. No, no, that's not the goal of schools. It's not, it's not a jobs program. It's a program to educate children. All right. If we're gonna, if we're gonna if we're gonna accept that premise, then okay, let's do that. Let's say that that our education system is to educate children, not provide jobs. Ain't what's for. No. If if we're looking at this and and we have parents who need to have a greater level of flexibility than ever before, why not let that money follow the student? Why not say students you, they get a voucher if they're going to, you know, again a a teaching pod or private school, or whatever, they have that money, follow them. What's wrong with that? And again, seriously, I, I'd love to hear the counter arguments for that. Give us a call, 585-346-3000. We're here until one o'clock. I don't know, like I, to, to me, that, that makes sense. And and you would get a lot more innovation in, in how people are able to deliver education too. You know, I think that, that the industrial model of education that we have now, I'm not sure that it, it works for every student. It's a one size fits all solution that doesn't work for every family. There are some students that just don't learn well in those methods of teaching. And they, they come out of the schooling system thinking that they're a failure because they didn't adapt to the testing and the, the curriculum that has been given to them. And they may be very bright, intelligent people. They just didn't connect with the right folks because they, this was realistically their only option to attend a public school. And there's some wonderful teachers in there. Don't get me wrong. I, I did well in public school. I, I feel like I, figured it out and I would kind of coast by and do what I needed to do and I did I got good grades and that's fine but I, I know other folks who are now bright and successful and and great people who did terrible in school but they just didn't have the right environment or the right teachers to connect with them at the time to be able to succeed so we need to rethink education altogether and I think that this moment offers us a unique opportunity to say okay some kids they're going to learn better online. They're going to they're going to connect that material. They learn at their own pace. They're going to do their thing. Okay, great. Some kids are going to learn that small pod environment. And you can balance the needs of the 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 uh, parents, the students, and the teachers themselves by operating in a free market. We have a coercive one-size-fits-all system right now. It ain't working. It ain't working for many parents. And 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 I think that we need bold solutions at every level of government to be able to start to address this issue and make education, uh, unlock the potential of education, to think beyond the small box of education that we, we fit, tried to fit ourselves into now. We can do better. And I think, again, if we let the market decide by, by giving parents the, the resources to be able to do that, I think that's a better solution than we have now. And I know it's not a perfect, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I need to, to fit into a libertarian box in some of these situations. I know, taxpayer money, I, I get it. I'm just I'm, I'm talking about like what what is, what is most of America thinking? How can we start to to think outside of that centrally planned education system we have now? All right, so we got one more segment for this week. Unfortunately, no fake news Friday this week because I'm alone. I can't fake news Friday with myself. But uh, thanks again for listening to Radio Free New York. We're going to be back in just a few minutes.
Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website. There hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. Radio Free New York. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Thank you for those listening online, commenting, participating in the discussion. I appreciate your engagement. You guys rock. Uh, so, so we're talking about education, and, and just kind of to, to wrap that up a little bit. You know, with you know, I think if if states. Local governments, education systems, if they, they restrict the options available to parents and they start to say, like, no, you can't do this stuff, you can't do pause, and there's just some talk of doing that, I think you do so at your own peril. I think that, that people are getting incredibly frustrated with the the education system as it exists now. I think we, we've, we've talked about the frustrations that many people have in, in the Rochester City School District with its, its budget mismanagement and, and its outcomes that are – and they're just really not good. And I know we could talk about poverty, but it's like, you know, can't, can't we think outside the box? And I, I, don't, I don't have all the answers to this. I, I don't think any one person has all the answers to this. But that's, that's the great thing about when you, when you leave things up to the market is that there are other people thinking really, really hard about what is the best way that we can educate kids at different levels and of different abilities and different learning styles and different paces. There are people thinking about this stuff all the time. And if we open up the doors to say, like, I, you can connect with these educational resources from anywhere, I think you open up a huge new world of possibility where, where kids are able to, to find you know, better educational solutions and families are better able to find uh, educational solutions that work for them. So, you know, I, I'm I'm interested in, in what it would be, what what would end up happening if we had something like, you know, uh, some, some per, uh, I'm looking at a Reason article right now, uh, a, a guy called the, the Corey DeAndalist, who's a, he's a, the, the head of Reason's a depart, director of school choice, that's his actual title, I'm looking at that, he called it a universal uh, basic education income. Okay, so like people can, can do that type of stuff, and it's, Again, we're already paying for this stuff anyway. We, we've accepted the premise of public schools. All right. And again, I know, I know, hardcore libertarian friends, you ain't with me on this. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't think that everyone, most people are are going to be accepting of totally privatizing education at this point. But, but how can we look at things? How can we take that next step to say, what does the world look like when there is a market in education instead of a mon- almost monopoly? on education, which is what we have now. But hey, could be wrong. I don't know. I, I'm not working in the education system. I'm just I'm just looking at these papers and I'm looking at these articles and I'm looking at what parents are saying and I'm thinking, man, you know what would help this? More freedom. That's I mean that that's kind of my default position, but but that that is what I'm looking at. I'm like, man, if, if parents had better choices and and they had the means to do so, I, I think that'd be a good thing. 
Again, could be wrong. Give me a call. 585-346-3000. Tell me I'm wrong. Happy to hear it. But all right. I think I beat that topic to death. And, you know, I got a, I got a couple minutes. And, and every time I have an opportunity to to talk about, you know, like zoning, it is one of my dumb, weird things I'm super interested in. And, and, and we got President Donald Trump talking about um, a zoning issue this week. And, and it made a lot of people freak out. People thought it was a um, dog whistle, uh, which, you know, I – okay. You know, I'm just going to read the tweet, and, and y'all can tell me what you think. Uh, it says – and this was sent out on, on a couple days ago on Ju- July 29th. It says, I am happy to inform all of the people living their suburban lifestyle dream that you will no longer be bothered or financially hurt by having low-income housing built in your neighborhood. Your housing prices will go up. Based on the market and crime will go down, I have rescinded the Obama-Biden AFFH rule. Enjoy. And that's the, the affordable housing and, and fair housing rule. Um, and basically th- this rule required a whole bunch of um, justification for like uh, that, that you were allowing – fair housing and, and low-income housing in, in different areas uh, as, as a way of receiving uh, HUD grants. And so uh, that's housing and urban development. Of course, that's led by Ben Carson. And it's interesting to see that because just a just a couple years ago, Ben Carson said, you know, and, I, and I'll quote him from, and this is uh, September 12th, 2018, you know, HUD is taking on NIMBYs, not in my backyard, folks. I agree with uh, no opinion that we must look at increasing supply of affordable housing by reducing onerous zoning regulations. Zoning laws are holding back America's cities. And so this is this is kind of a change in pace to say, like, you know, Donald Trump is uh, is going to make it less likely that, that affordable housing is going to be built in uh, these areas. What, what Ben Carson and what Donald Trump was talking about until pretty recently is saying, like, okay, cities, if you want – if you want uh, this housing money, if you want to, to get these federal grants to be able to build something in um, your city, then you have to deregulate. You have to decrease the zoning laws to say like there, there has to be fewer restrictions on the type of building that you're able to do if you want to partner with these programs. And, and a lot of cities do. They want that sweet government cash. They love it. So they're saying, well, you know, you want that sweet government cash. Well, you you got to you got to. Start fixing your zoning. You got to make it easier to do. And of course, we had a guest on two Fridays ago, a guy named uh, Charles Marone, and and he was on talking about uh, strong towns, things like that. And he wrote this article uh, called "It's Time to Abolish Single Family Zoning," and it's um, it was written in the the American Conservative magazine. And he's talking about like why it is a conservative position to not restrict building on private property to only single-family housing. And and I'm going to share that article in, in the chat for those of you listening online. It's definitely worth taking a look at, you know, uh, why we might want to to look at, if you're conservative, you're libertarian, if you, why you might want to look at these zoning laws that there seem to be kind of a building consensus around for, for property rights, conservatives and libertarians and progressives to say, you know, maybe maybe we need to look at this land use restriction and, and maybe like the, the incentives that the federal government used to, and the state governments used to provide to, to kind of build out 
distant and expensive suburbs aren't working anymore. Maybe that that was a mistake that didn't do well. Maybe we need small investments, incremental growth. We need stuff that's driven by local private development and not this top-down, expensive federal experiment, which is what we got with both suburbs and the housing projects that, that you know we get in Mandy cities. A lot of that is, again, it's the federal government bureaucrats thinking they know what's best for our cities and dictating how and when and where we're going to do that. And it's not sustainable. It really ain't. So you know, again, anytime I have an opportunity to talk about zoning, that's a, this is this is one of my weird soapboxes that I like to talk about, um, and and I, I think it's worth checking out if you guys haven't. And it's a conservative position. It really is. It's a lower government greater property taxes. Donald Trump's kind of turned this on its head a little bit, and he started saying, like, well, we're going to protect the suburbs. We're going to do a thing. And and folks, I get it. Maybe maybe Andrew and I will talk about this more for, for Talk of the Town Tuesday if we can. Uh, but And we, we've done shows on zoning before. Look them up. We, we, did, we did a show on, on zoning and redlining and stuff like that. And, and list that Charles Marone show I did two weeks ago. It's worth it. You know, I think, to me, do you got to I, – I, I think that it, it, the world works better when we deregulate when we allow people to do what they want to do, as long as it's not hurting others or taking their stuff, it's a great thing. Let's look, let's look at, you know, how can we remove subsidies? How can we, you know, and again, the, some of the suburban developments that the federal government has finances are, are run off of deficit spending. They're not sustainable. These cities and towns can no longer afford to build the infrastructure that the federal government came in and, and plowed in. Okay, great. What are we going to do now? All right, like if we allow this stuff, that if we, we allow these communities the freedom to be able to build up, to be self-sustaining on their own, we get a stronger community. We get a more effective community. And, and I think, again, conservatives and libertarians, the folks who listen to this show, think about how we can do that without driving us into debt. All right. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Free New York. Uh, we'll be back Monday, same time. Have a great weekend, folks. Yeah.